Hey, what's up? It's Kennedy Kemp, side rank reporter and contributor to Penalty Box Radio. You're listening to Outside Smashville with Sam Fleming. Here's the takeaway. Wavering, two on one with Harlan. Right side, Wavering shoots, he scores! Ole Miss takes the lead! Cal Wavering! The Rebels have a 2-1 lead with 1334 to go in the third! It's been a minute, but Outside Smashville is finally back. And thanks to Kennedy Kemp for leading us in there on the intro. She's going to be in a future episode of Outside Smashville. Hint, maybe uh, the next one after this one. Uh, You can follow her on Twitter at Kennedy underscore Kemp. So thank you for that. But I mentioned that I was doing kind of an SECHC theme. And even though the tournament has passed and we're still recovering a little bit, I decided to bring in the main guest for the SEC week. He is the editor-in-chief of Penalty Box Radio, and some know him as the commissioner as well, the commissioner of the SECHC. Justin Bradford is here with me, and thank you for joining us on Outside Smashville. Yeah, absolutely, Sam. Happy to do it, and always happy to talk some hockey. Yeah, and we've got a lot we're going to talk about. The NHL trade deadline is coming up. We're going to discuss a couple points about that, some potential moves you might see. We're going to talk a little bit about your book, Men's League Hockey. I know you've been getting involved with that. Yeah. We're going to get to know you as well, not only hockey style, but we've got a couple important (laughs) questions I think we all know. But I wanted to get started because the SECHC tournament was at the start of this month. Hard to believe February's already almost gone past, but what a tournament we had. And when we're recording this, we just saw a crazy high school night too. But I've got to ask from your perspective, that was maybe one of the coolest SECHC tournaments ever. And as the commissioner, just talk a little bit about that. It was phenomenal to me. I mean, when, when we look at the tournament, what we want to do is always have close games. And in our history, we haven't had many low seeds fare very well, just because when we've had maybe eight to ten teams or so, and the eight seed is not the most competitive at times, and the seven seed was really rough for them to get going. Finally, when you get to the six seed, it gets a little more competitive. Well, this year, we had a six and a seven seed both win in the first round. And that was the first time a seven's ever beat a two in the history of our tournament, which was great. And you look at all 10 games of the championship, eight of those 10 games were one-goal games if you don't include empty netters. That right there is exactly what you want out of a tournament is some good evenly matched games, hard-fought games where these teams are going against each other and really playing it all out. And you could tell they were. They were wanting that SEC-HC championship. And to have eight of the 10 games be decided by only one goal when you don't include empty netters. Because when you look at it, it's hard to include that in there because with only two minutes remaining per se, games were one goal. And the team had to pull their goalie to try to make an effort for it and they just weren't able to, to, to get it done. But that's what I want is good, close, competitive hockey games. Teams are playing for a lot of pride and, and they want to win the championship and go on. And then regionals were just announced uh, a couple of days ago, which is really exciting now too, the SECHC is going to have four teams in their South Regional, and then there's also one of our teams, Arkansas, got the auto bid to Nationals out of the Pacific. So to have 
half of the teams in South Regionals be from our conference, that's that makes me pretty proud. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the, the cool thing that you did with the conference, too, is you guys have expanded it outside of just SEC schools. Mm-hmm. You've got FAU coming in, Georgia Tech, Lynn University, a couple schools just to name off the top, Clemson's in there. What has that meant to start growing the conference a little bit to be more than the SEC? Well, to me, growing the conference is about growing the game. And if we want to be influential in college hockey, influential in hockey in general, it's not just about the conference, it's about the game. And whatever we can do to support schools in growing their teams and growing the game is what's important to me. And so getting away from the mantra of only SEC schools was big because you think of the SEC covers all the Southeast, but there's multiple conferences in the Southeast when it comes to football, basketball, baseball, etc. But in hockey, hockey's always been a little bit of a different breed when it comes to it. I mean, you have the, the old WCHA, the old CCHA, and then the NCHC and all these different <laughs> conferences that a lot of these teams are playing. Big Ten's pretty much the only one that is similar to its other athletic conferences. That's about it. Other than that, the hockey teams were playing in different conferences than what their other sports play in. So it's a different breed in hockey, and that's why it's like, why can't we be like that? If we want to expand and be better, be more competitive, we should be like that too and be looking for teams that are going to be great additions to represent our conference well, represent their schools really well, represent the Griffith Hockey well, and cover more of the Southeast. So the big thing was Florida. We had only had one team, the University of Florida. We expanded now to have four teams in Florida with Florida State, Lynn, and FAU. So now we cover the Panhandle, Central, and Southern Florida <laughs> in there. Um, Alabama, I mean, adding UAH. Uh, in there and now Alabama D3 coming on next season as well so in the the state of Alabama two teams Uh, in South Carolina there was just South Carolina now there's Clemson and South Carolina those are natural rivals that are already there in other sports but they weren't in the same conference now in hockey they're in the same conference Georgia had just the University of Georgia you had Kennesaw and Georgia Tech and you have three teams within about an hour of each other in that tri-team area, and Georgia Tech and Georgia already hate each other. Now they're playing for even more pride. MTSU, <clears throat> they're right here with Vanderbilt, and now we have three teams in the state of Tennessee with Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and MTSU. So all those little things there just makes more rivalries, makes it more fun and competitive, and these games when they play each other count even more. And that's what is brought growing the game is that you want these kids to have a great atmosphere to play in and know that when they're playing these teams, they're playing for something that means just more than that game, they're playing for a conference game. Absolutely, and you talk about it meaning more. How about the crowds that we had at Fordyce Center Bellevue? Props to all the fans who traveled out, and I think that was the one thing we all talked about as a Penalty Box radio crew, the fantastic fans that we had out there at the tournament. Ole Miss, holy cow, they brought the noise. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they did. And so this year we saw a 62% increase in attendance, which is huge for us because i put it in perspective, and yeah, I know it's, it's club hockey. It's club hockey, but it's not just club hockey. It's hockey. It's college hockey. And while it may not be the same brand as NCAA Division I, it's still hockey and college hockey, and people support it, parents support it, friends support it. People go out and support their college teams. These kids are doing everything they possibly can to win for their teammates and for themselves and for their school and to represent very well. That's what you saw is a lot of pride in their schools out there, and that's what was exciting to see so many people come out because we all know Nashville – is a transient city when it comes to SEC support. Like, yeah, you have plenty of UT fans, 
you have Vanderbilt fans, but there's fans of all teams in the SEC and even ACC and just colleges in Nashville because Nashville's won a hotbed right now. So similar to Atlanta where you have people just from all over live in the area. So that's why we were targeting for advertising. It's like, hey, come out and support Georgia, Georgia Tech. We know there are fans of those teams here. Even FAU traveled up right. uh, to, to come to Nashville. So that's what was exciting to me. See all these people that live in Nashville that are alums of all these multiple programs out of our 16 schools and the eight that made it to come out and support these teams. We had two new teams to the conference make the tournament, which is huge when you really think about it, that a quarter of the teams in there were new to the conference that made the tournament. And so to have the fans come out and increase our attendance by 62% was just great to me because it showed, one, that Nash was a hotbed for hockey and continuing to grow, and two, that people want to come out and support these kids playing hockey. And so to see those stands fold, coincide with the Preds watch party one night as well, so just increasing the people there that are curious about what's going on and having it a brand new facility that is big and meant for big events with the way the bleachers are set up where we could broadcast everything as well. Having the lights make these kids feel like they're playing in a huge, huge game with lighting effects. All those things together just made it so much ex more exciting for not just the players, but also the, the fans. Justin Bradford, the commissioner of the SECHC, also editor-in-chief for Penalty Box Radio, joining us here on Outside Smashville. want to wrap up one thing about 2020 and then get into 2020, 2021. <laughs> um, Ole Miss, first ever SECHC championship. Mm -hmm. They took down what seemed to be the Goliath of the tournament in Arkansas, who's had an incredible year. Just sum up what that means to see a first-time champion as a commissioner. It's awesome because you could see those kids in their faces, the excitement and the joy, especially like a, a kid like Braden Storner, captain of the team. They This is the, their third time making the championship game, and they finally won it. Um, and that was huge to them because last year they lost to Georgia. This year they entered as a six-seed. So a six-seed won the SEC championship. And that's what is exciting to me is seeing – Teams know how to turn it on for championship time. Georgia came in riddled with injuries. Riddled with injuries. And they only lost Arkansas 2-1. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> in the Goliath that Arkansas is tremendously a, a great team. I mean, all of it to Nationals. I mean, they played a ridiculous amount of games and won the overwhelming majority of them. And Georgia kept it close. Ole Miss proved as well. They know how to turn it on during tournament time in the way that they were able to just play and step up. And playing with a backup goalie because parent their first their first string goaltender is injured and so Ryan Troy comes in and steals the show later in the season and he had a tremendous tournament there's a reason why he was named MVP uh, because the way that he stole the show so just Ole Miss I wanted to turn it on it was that next man up mentality uh, and it was just really impressive to me to see them come out and perform the way they did and all the pride that they had for their school and to see all these different outlets from Ole Miss yeah. covering the game and talking about it and interviewing uh, players on it. And we had Braden Storner on the PBR Live on 102.5 of the game and just seeing the kind of support that it has there where people are going, so is Ole Miss a hockey school now? <laughs> and I mean, it was just, it was great to see that type of excitement come out and and people were like, it's not an upset, it's not an upset. Upsets are, are, are based on the seating. Yeah. It's an upset, but it's a fun kind of upset because it shows the parity in our league, right. which is what you want is to make it more exciting to where it's not always the top two seeds that are winning everything. That's just what makes hockey fun. And so big congrats to Ole Miss and what they were able to pull off because that was 
so much fun to watch. And you and Peyton did a tremendous job calling that game. And it was just great to see you two work together and, and call college hockey like that because uh, it just shows the level of commitment we have to provide something that's really cool and unique to people that aren't able to make it. Because we know not everybody can make it for a weekend in February. It's not even a long weekend. Uh, next year it will be. It'll be President's Day weekend next year. Uh, but it's just great to see the amount of support and the way the quality of broadcast and everything go into that. And I know Ole Miss appreciated it too. And again, that was a lot of fun to do it with Peyton and appreciate you giving us that opportunity yeah. because that was so much fun. And I got to do the Arkansas Georgia game and that one I was on the edge of my seat till the end too but really quickly looking at the outlook for 2021 are there are more teams coming in we know that and then the tournament as you mentioned on President's Day back here at Fordyce Center Bellevue what's your outlook for next year as the commissioner it continue to be bigger and better I mean we'll have 17 teams next year and as of right now still only the top eight will make the tournament so it's extremely competitive uh, teams are playing each other even more. So, for instance, Georgia. I think I was talking to uh, John Camp, their assistant uh, coach and also assistant commissioner for the conference, and he was saying that I think they only have four non-conference games and 20 in-conference games. So it's putting the value on playing teams in your conference that a lot of these teams are doing, and that just build, builds up the competitive level because when it comes to rankings, things like that, the better our teams get, the more all those games start to count. And that's what we want is for every team to be competitive to where when you're playing each other, even if you lose, it still counts that you're playing a high quality team and it helps you in the rankings. I mean, that's what helped, for instance, Auburn and Tennessee uh, for them that maybe you know, kids graduate. We see that all the time. That's the struggle with club hockey. Kids graduate in December and you lose them. But Tennessee had a pretty good schedule overall to begin the season and won some of those games, but they played teams that had good schedules. So it helped them a lot. So the more you play competitive teams, the better you're ranking's going to be and so that's what I want to see in the future is that more and more teams are playing each other to be more competitive and that makes it even more exciting to have showcases where you have three games in a weekend you're playing multiple teams and meeting in a, in a middle point because it makes it fun and exciting to play all these new teams with 17 teams it's going to be hard to hit all 16 right it's really hard to do that <laughs> but the more you can do that the better because it means you're just getting out there in the conference you're you're expanding a little bit you're getting to know each other really well and it makes it fun for these kids because FAU's and Lynn are right on the beach who doesn't want to go to South Florida in like <laughs> December or January to, to play a game right. if, if you're in say Tennessee or, or Northern Alabama or, or Arkansas something like that that'd be fun uh, for a lot of these kids so that's what I want to see is just more compete level continuing to, to raise um, the level of play and I mean for instance I'm going to a recruiting showcase uh, in Chicago I mean, not all these kids come from the South, but it's one of those things they want to go play for an SEC, ACC, uh, whatever school, and they want to play in the SEC, HC. And so it's going up there to this showcase where it's going to have a lot of kids from Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, things like that, and tell them about these schools that, hey, if you've ever had an interest in going to this school in the South, they have a hockey program that you can play at. So that's what I want to see is our recruiting continuing to bump up, just the level of play, and continuing our strong academics. All those things go together <laughs> to make it a strong conference because I'm really proud of our academic level too. A lot, We have so many intelligent uh, student-athletes, so many, and I'm just really proud of that fact that we have a lot of student-athletes that really do take a lot of pride in academics. That's one reason, to roll into another thing really quick, that some of these teams are not able to go to regionals or nationals because, one, it's frustrating because their schools don't allow them to miss some time like they do for other sports because they're, they're just, a, just a club which is really frustrating to me. 
Um, but it also shows that they do care about their academics because they can't miss school and have an unexcused absence that they do need to be there for it. So major props to those schools that have made that tough, tough decision that they can go to regionals or nationals even if they were invited, uh, but it because, it's because they value academics a lot. Again, February 12th through the 14th, 2021, next year. Valentine's Day Championship. Yeah, maybe. absolutely. <laughs> For the love of the game and, 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 the, and the words of... That right there is going to be our slogan. <laughs> For the love of the game. For the love of the game. We just named it. Right there. <laughs> um, but as the SEC says all their commercials, it just means more from playing hockey to academics again. 2021, February 12th through the 14th, Fordyce Center, Bellevue. You can mark your calendars for the SECHC tournament. Again, Justin Bradford, the commissioner of the SECHC, here talking a little bit about that first. But when we come back here on Outside Smashville, let's get to know Justin Bradford a little bit better. You're listening to Outside Smashville, Episode 8 on Penalty Box Radio. Because we'll be screaming now, we can be here for him. Because that's up for Ovechkin. Drive! He scores! His spectacular history-making continues. 700 red lights. Welcome back, Outside Smashville, Episode 8. And b- before we get into this second segment, Justin and I, after I came up with the slogan for the love of the game off the top of my head, we looked it up. It, it's a movie with Kevin Costner, <laughs> a baseball movie directed by Sam Rami. But that's what we get to sometimes, right? <laughs> oh, man. But well, again, Justin Bradford, my guest here on Episode 8, the commissioner of the SCCHC. Uh, the editor-in-chief for Penalty Box Radio. So we just talked about the SCCHC tournament, but it's time to get to know you, Justin. Oh, boy, here we go. And here we go. So I've got to start out by asking, besides the Preds, who is your favorite team maybe in the NHL or just to watch in general? That is a really tough one. So for those that don't know, I grew up a Red Wings fan, and there's a reason. I mean, I'm I'm originally from Michigan. So, and I didn't move to Tennessee. I moved to Tennessee in 1990, and that was my only connection really back to home as a seven, eight-year-old was sports. So it was the Red Wings and Michigan football. That's about it. And then, you know, eight years later, the Predators came along. So it took a while, and so I was keeping track of the Red Wings for a long time, especially the grudge matches between them and the Avalanche. So that's really, that's the team I followed. Now, I don't... It's hard for me to say I have a favorite NHL team because as media, it's I'm not and I'm not lying here. If just I've, I don't want to say I've become numb, I'm just not accustomed to having favorite teams. I might have more favorite players uh, that I'd like to see. Obviously, like um, Connor McDavid <laughs> is, <laughs> is someone that's really fun to watch. Um, Alexander Barkov is fun to watch. Kale McCarr, <laughs> yes, Justin, <laughs> um, Seth Jones uh, when he's healthy. It is fun to watch out there. So it's tough for me to say your favorite NHL team, but I mean, I grew up watching the Red Wings, and so it's one of those things. It's it's exciting for me to see what Steve Eisman does for the future for that franchise because he's, I mean, he's a hero yeah. <laughs> in that town, and you know that they're not going to be the Dead Wings forever. It, it teams go through these little spurts and everything, and you know he's going to probably make some moves after this season and see what happens. And I think Detroit will be back in the playoffs in maybe three or four years 
they do have some young talent, and they cannot waste Dylan Larkin's prime. <laughs> Even though he's still very young, they cannot waste his prime on just a full rebuild. But there's still plenty of players out there that want to play for Detroit. They just have to make it the right situation, cap-wise and things like that. So I'd say kind of, I don't want to say favorite, but I follow them because it's just a unique thing that I've always had a connection before to the Red Wings. I mean, it's always just interesting to see, too, what other really good players do as well. Like Mitch Marner, I like following him just because I got to interview him when he's playing junior with, wow. in London. Um, so it's just fun to watch some of these players more so the ones that I've talked to when they were in juniors or college. So Connor McDavid, I interviewed him when he was playing for Erie. Uh, so it's when he won the jacket that night because he would always win the jacket pretty much every <laughs> night. Um, and so it's just fun. To, that's, that's what I tend to do more is follow the players more than anything else. And that's pretty cool, too. And you talked <laughs> about Larkin. They've got great talent. Mantha, Bertuzzi, and... Anthony CU, some good prospects there in Detroit, but again, Stevie Y, and that's probably the one arena, one of the arenas I'd love to go see a game at because it's so new and mm -hmm. it's got a lot of cool things about it. All right, my next question, and you mentioned some of them. <laughs> What's your most memorable PBR interview you've ever done? Gosh, we <laughs> there's so many now because I've been very blessed to have good opportunities. Very, very blessed. And so one that stands out to me, though, is back in 2015 was we had Hillary Knight on air. That was pretty cool. And it was funny, Daniel Lavender, who's then with Admiral's Roundtable, he had to follow that. He's like, I have to follow Hillary Knight. <laughs> um, so it's just fun to have her on. That's a pretty memorable one. Another one to me was actually at the Winter Classic in Michigan. I went up there, and they did this whole Hockey Town Winter Festival before the Winter Classic. And... It included 10 games at Comerica Park. So, baseball stadium hosting the Winter Festival, Winter Classic at Michigan Stadium. So, you had two stadiums with hockey rinks in them. And at Comerica Park, they had uh, college hockey games. They had the, the uh, Great Lakes Invitational. So, they also had the NHL games with the Griffins played there. They had OHL, the Spitfires, the Knights played there. And they had two alumni games. <laughs> <laughs> and in those alumni games are former Predators playing in those games. Steve Sullivan and Jared Smithson. So <laughs> it was pretty fun that after both alumni games that I was the only reporter going up to those two guys <laughs> because they weren't memorable Leafs, right? When you think about all the different Leafs or Red Wings players in alumni games, for the Toronto locker room at least, those weren't two guys that media was hounding to get to, <laughs> to catch up with, right? So I'd go up to, I went up to each of them and said, hi, I'm, I'm Justin Bracken, I'm from Nashville. Went, You're from Nashville? Why are you here? And I got to ask them a little bit just about the, brief questions about the experience. It was really cool because you could tell they appreciated that, wow, you sought me out. You're from Nashville here for the Winter Classic. So that was pretty cool. And it wasn't an interview because I wasn't able to get there, but seeing the scrums surrounding Sergei Fedorov, Steve Eiserman, Nick Lidstrom. <laughs> um, uh, let's see who else. Oh my God, there's so many different ones. I mean, Darren McCarty. <laughs> you know, seeing all these different uh, Chris Draper, Chris Osgood. I mean, all these people. And yeah, obviously Federoff isn't wasn't much in the limelight because he's back over in the KHL and everything and and stuff. But it was just cool to be the fourth person in a like six person deep scrum with this camera up there trying to capture as much video as possible and I go onto YouTube and look and there's like thousands of hits on these videos and it's just me getting scrum video I was like people are going to want to watch this so those are just some of the good memories I have of different things you've had so many different people on talking about the love of the game and I think 
some of the, the ones that stand out the most are ones that aren't the celebrities as much. I mean, we just did that Hockey Day in America episode, yeah. and having Ally Lacombe on was fantastic to me just because she's a person that's doing so much for the game that I don't think gets all the credit she deserves for what she does for growing the game and re- being a representative of the game of hockey because she's a coach, she's a director, she's a trainer, she's a player, she's now playing professional women's hockey, but it's one of those things that she's still going to stay in Nashville and then commute to play in professional women's hockey just so she can continue to coach and develop players. So the, the dedication she has to the sport for me, that's what makes it the memorable type of interview. Those types of things are what make it memorable for me. Absolutely. And you mentioned you were there in 2014 and then look, six years later, covering the Winter Classic <laughs> that the Preds are playing in. Right. <laughs> so... Okay, now off topic of hockey, I think this one is one we oh both boy. are a little bit excited about. Oh boy. Marvel Phase 4 movie you're most excited about for and why, and then if there was one in the future that maybe has been announced or hasn't been announced you're ex- excited about, what would it be? Eternals. Ooh. That's what I'm looking forward to the most because it's another thing that's just different. It's expanding the universe to bring in new characters, kind of like what Guardians of the Galaxy did where it's something different. It's not the planet Earth-based ones. And some of the actors <laughs> that are going to be in it, I'm just very intrigued by, like, Kamel Nanjiani being a superhero <laughs> with just with his wit and his talent, but he, he's buffed up for this role, too. <laughs> like, seeing pictures of him and video of him where he's, like, super buff now, it's like, all right, all right, Camille, all right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very excited for that one. Also, the Doctor Strange yeah. uh, horror movie with Scarlet Witch should be pretty neat I'm looking forward to that and then um, what I'm most excited for in the future whenever it happens is how they introduce X-Men into this whole thing because they they own those rights now they have all that so I'm just very curious how that's going to get incorporated into the MCU is how to start bringing and introducing different X-Men characters into it. Those are those are good ones. I, I've got to go with the very last one of Phase 4, though. Thor, Love, and Thunder. That's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Chris Hemsworth's kind of always been my guy. I mean, you know, with him sticking around, one of the originals being back. Mm-hmm. I know Black Widow, there's a rumor that Tony Stark's back as Iron Man for a cameo. Oh. What I've, what I've read, but... I think in the future I'm excited about Avengers 5 when that ever comes yeah. whenever that <laughs> comes around and whatever it is and whatever <laughs> they make it or you know Black Panther again or Spider-Man right. there's just so many good movies whatever but, the big bad's gonna be I'm very curious yeah who who will it be will it be Adam Warlock who oh. knows <laughs> I, I have fun knowing that those questions but again Thor Love and Thunder for me yeah, and then and then probably whatever the next Avengers and it's Taika Waititi that's also oh, yeah. directing it so that's they're going that direction where it's going to be fun yeah fun action packed good writing yeah it's going to have a good script that's what, that's what I like about his directing in Thor it kind of rehashed Thor to make it fun again right and you know there has been that rumor Chris is going to play Thor in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 ah uh, yeah so That's maybe right. that might be the one. Right, yeah. <laughs> but uh, when, when you look at Ragnarok, and that was such a good movie, you've oh, got to yeah. be excited for what's to Absolutely. come. So back to hockey. <laughs> Favorite jersey ever in the NHL. And what I've done is I want to edit this. If you've got one that's kind of a current one and maybe one that's in the past, you can list two because that's uh, a tough question. I know. That's a very tough question. Um, <laughs> I get an honorable mention for me. Okay. An honorable mention is going to be the Preds mustard. 
Oh yes. <laughs> because it's so unique and ugly. <laughs> like I, I think people understand that it is ugly, but just because it's ugly doesn't mean it's bad. Like that that's that's what I want to say. Is right. Not everything that's ugly means it's bad. There are ugly dogs out there that people love, right? <laughs> Like that, that's the way I equate that. If something's ugly, doesn't always mean it's a bad thing. It Grumpy just, cat. Yeah, it's ugly, cute. It's ugly in a different kind of way. Um, so that that gets the that gets honorable mention for me. This is going to be like my past showing out, but I really did like the Red Wings Winter Classic jerseys. Right. I like the Winter Classic jerseys for so many teams because they do go with that classic feel, which is why I'm pretty glad they didn't start out with Preds making Stadium Series. The stadium series games tend to go completely different <laughs> direction. Hint, hint, Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> oh, God. It looks like they're wearing the Captain America helmet. <laughs> yeah. With a big A on it. I don't understand it, but I, but I like the classic style jerseys. The yeah. Preds winner classic jerseys I thought were fantastic. I know, and what's funny is Cameron Gumpy came with that great meme of every jersey when it's ever introduced. I hate it. It's awesome. It goes away from the tradition. No, 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 no. A couple months later, I love it. I'll never give this up. Buy me more. <laughs> and that's really what it came down to. Even with the Preds Winter Classic jerseys, everybody hating on them. That you see stadium full of them. People buying it. Well, I just feel like I had to. Yeah, because they're sharp. Like they're, they're great jerseys. Um, you mentioned it before the, the then Phoenix Coyotes, the Kachina ones. Um, those are those are nice. But I tend to like classic style jerseys. I mean, the Montreal Canadiens. Original jerseys are pretty sharp to me. I like the the Hurricanes thirds; um, those are pretty sharp. I like those a lot. I tend to like third jerseys. Oh yeah. For the most part, I mean, I'm kind of going all over the place here. It's hard for me to pick favorites, favorite ones, but that's just highlighting some of the things that stand out to me. Um, I do like the, the the Blues Stadium ones, Winter Classic ones. Right. Yeah. Those are those are pretty sharp as well. Um, I know a lot of people didn't necessarily. <laughs> like the stars ones because the STD ears. <laughs> oh gosh! Um, but I, I just like the feel of it of that the classic country feel uh, for a lot of these things. So that's that's what I tend to gravitate towards in NHL. Outside of NHL, I think the Milwaukee Admirals have some pretty fantastic oh, jerseys yeah. just in their history. Uh, they've had some pretty classic jerseys, and I do really enjoy those. So I'm not I'm not as much as of a jersey snob. As some can be when it comes to what the favorites are, what's ugly or not. It's like, it's it's a brand of clothing that you're wearing with a logo on it. Are you supporting your team or not? Um, yes, they can be ugly, but usually people tend to embrace the ugly unless it's the Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> uh, I think most people tend to embrace the jerseys their teams release just because they want to feel that sense of pride and connection uh, to, to their team. So that's kind of my take on it what, what, what about you I know you the team is up there but what are some honorable mentions for you yeah and, and I know Admirals Roundtable is going to be happy to hear you mention the Admirals jerseys because <laughs> they brought back the old Calder Cup ones yeah. I saw on Twitter oh, yeah. which was really cool <laughs> and you know and I mentioned it before those all black Tampa Bay jerseys oh, are, those are sharp those are clean those are really but you know um, I, I agree about the Preds Winter Classic jersey. I'm wearing the jacket right now with the patch, but I have the Forsberg jersey, and it's just – I don't know. It's something about when you think about the Dixie Flyers and the yeah. history, and that's why I don't want them to go away. Like, right. do the whiteouts more. The two whiteout games were the best games at home so far. It's been a lot of fun, and it's a good look. It's a good. It's just a good look. Going, oh, my gosh, it would be something to go back to home whites. Yes. So you could wear those all the time. <laughs> you wear those all the time. And then you get to see the different jerseys yeah. from the other teams. Right. It's not just the, the whites you're seeing of the jerseys. 
And that's, I kind of like that. It was always neat to see the different colors coming into Nashville to see what their other jerseys are like and not just the homes. Exactly. And then, and then probably one that has come along that's a th- I love the Nordiques, obviously, oh, right. for the history. But one that's come along, and I know that they're rivals, but those St. Louis Blues 90s throwbacks oh, they yeah. brought back with the red. and <laughs> yeah. People call them the clown jerseys, yeah. but I think they look <laughs> – I was hoping they'd wear them on Hockey Day in America because oh, you'd man. have the winter classic jerseys against that. But Make me a bicycle clown. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love how jerseys can expand. So, <laughs> this is one, though, I'm really interested because in, I know you've gotten to do so many interviews with oh, NHL boy. players. What is one NHL player you would want to do a one-on-one interview, like a sit-down interview, and it's just you two? Ooh, that is tough. Uh, so, one that comes to mind, if I, you know, this is all things being equal, right, and that it's going to happen – that they've agreed to it. We know that it's going to be a good interview. It's set up to where it's not being rushed, whatnot. Alexander Ovechkin. Okay. And either him or Crosby. Because we're putting this again as a situation to where it is a sit-down interview. Everyone's agreed to the terms. Of right. It. Everyone knows it's going to be a sit-down interview, things like that. And it's not just like, oh, by the way, can we have a sit-down interview? <laughs> right. The preparation mindset is there, too. So, Ovi, especially because of the way he's matured so much throughout his career... You see the video come out yesterday of him taking his kid, his infant, on the ice and everything, too. Just how he's grown from, you know, not being necessarily the most mature player out there to his <laughs> rager after witness Stanley Cup, <laughs> being a dad now yeah. and everything, too. And as he gets, you know, closer and closer to setting more and more records, it'd be just be nice to hear about him growing up with hockey even more so. I know there's things out there like it, but just me personally, I think it'd be really cool to hear his story. Yeah. That that is and plus with what he's about to do when it happens, I know it's right. been dragged out, right. but also he's hilarious. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I mean Igor Afanasyev with the pre, the Prince prospect has that potential that if he becomes a, a star player, he has such a great personality and he's a jokester and he's hilarious that he could be that next, you know, funny Russian. That Tim Horton story. Oh yeah. That's that's exactly. great. <laughs> that kind of stuff right there. Because he doesn't have he doesn't have in terms of filter, he doesn't have a filter to where he thinks he can't have a personality right now. Right. And that's what's important, that he can still feel like he can have fun. Right. It's tough for me because, you know, I would say guys that are like my favorite players like Nikita Kucherov mm-hmm. or Dush- Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg. But there's one name that might surprise you that I want to sit down with if it was a great – and that would be T.J. Oshie. Okay. All right, yeah, I can see that. I mean, the Soshi story, yeah. I know he's had a great connection with his dad and all his dad's been through, winning the Stanley Cup, being shipped off from a team that he loves so much. Mm-hmm. But just something about T.J. Oshie, and he made a quote, too, back during the Olympics, I'm not a hero. The heroes are the people that wear camo every day. And I was like, I earn so much more respect for T.J. Oh, yeah. Oshie. So. Oshi would probably be my guy. That's good. Yeah, in terms of like a good American hockey player with what he has been able to accomplish and represent too. So, yeah. Okay, back to movie styles. All right. Star Wars time now. Uh-huh. And I know you got to do that cool thing down at uh, uni- <laughs> at Disney, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. That, that was pretty got cool. to do it all. That was pretty cool. <laughs> um, who is your favorite Star Wars character ever? Ever. See, 
That's also a tough one because I'm not going to go with the traditional Vader <laughs> or anything like that. I think I'm going to go with R2-D2. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think it's it's R2-D2. Yeah, R2-D2 or Chewbacca. Okay, <laughs> those are good. Yeah, and, and my reasoning is that they're more supporting characters, but you think about a lot of one-liners in Star Wars. You think about a lot of situations have been put in. How many times have both of them saved bacon? Yeah, exactly. R2 having to get a door open. R2 having to stop the trash compactor. Uh, Chewbacca coming up in, in Jedi with uh, ATST. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all those little things there where they've been bacon savers. Uh, and also they have the really funny moments without speaking English. And that's what's really fun is that they're able to, those characters have been able to be developed without saying a word of English. Right. But you can interpret exactly what their thoughts processes are, what they're trying to you know expand on what they're trying to say without even using words that we understand so i appreciate those types of characters and they've been there since the start that's the yeah. one thing i i've got to go with a specific version of a character oh boy you and mcgregor's obi-wan kenobi oh yeah that's strong <laughs> because, that's very strong because hello there right <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Another happy landing. There's yes. one-liners that he did, and there's like a whole video on it. But he, I liked Anakin Skywalker. I dressed up as him as a kid. I had the black glove, the sc the scar on my on my face, <laughs> and the little pullover. But I've learned to respect you and McGregor as Obi Wan, and I know I know he's doing that Disney Plus series, right. which is going to oh, be yeah. cool too. But if you're not with me, then you're against me. <laughs> <laughs> So many great lines from the prequels, but we were brothers, Anakin. <laughs> you were meant to be the chosen one. <laughs> oh my gosh! But maybe you should go in and start playing those oh roles. <laughs> oh gosh, I needed that. <laughs> Finally, and this is the one I'm always excited about. Oh boy, you're the coach of a three-on-three -three team featuring NHL players. You get one winger. One center, one defenseman, and one goalie. The catch is no one can be on the same team. Who is Justin Bradford's dream team to win a three-on-three -three tournament? So I have Roman Yossi as defenseman. But fair? Fair. Very fair. Very fair. Uh, let's see. Center, I'm going with Connor McDavid. Okay. And Ovi plays in the wing. Okay, so I'm surprised. You're the very first person to say Ovechkin. So, I mean, natural goal scorer. Exactly. And then in terms of goalie, this is tough because every year it seems who the hot goaltender tends to change, right? Right, right. I mean, it's, it's one of those unique questions. So, am I able to say this current goaltender but in their prime? Sure. We, their best year? We, we, can, we can make that You'll work. Allow that I'll allow that. Then I'll go with Carey Price. Okay, I, I think that's still respectable even now. Right, yes, yeah. So I, I, I want to put that out there saying that I know it's been a little... Uh, <laughs> yeah. But obviously Carey Price still has a lot of it. Yeah, and, and that's such an interesting team because you got Yossi who's dynamic, yeah. and, that's, and that's why people pick him. You know, you've got McDavid who can go against Connor McDavid. It's just the speed too. But Ovechkin, but Ovechkin, you know, I've had people say... Barkov, I've said Kucherov. Oh yeah. Somebody said Pasternak. 
I mean, those are all really good choices. But I mean, why? I never thought like someone never said Ovechkin because he's so good. Yeah, and the thing is, if you're setting it up correctly too, you make David speed, and if one person on the opposition forgets about Ovi in a sweet spot, yes, that's all it takes. That is to because the way I think that. Wow, I'm really going to analyze this. Okay. If McDavid's able to draw two guys, <laughs> right, that leaves other another one open, and all you have to do is get it over to Ovi, who is a natural goal scorer, yes. and let him rip. Absolutely. So that, that would be my thought process there, is you have a great puck-moving defenseman like Yossi, speed at center with Connor McDavid, and the shooting ability of Ovechkin. That's that's really good thinking. And that's you, the way I'm trying to And you put Ovi back door in his little spot and he's right. gonna score goals. Right. But. So that's what's my whole thought is that McDavid would draw them off, have that, that gravitational pull like when the Preds played the Red Wings, <laughs> and just leave Kevin Klein open. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Klein. <laughs> so, uh, throwback there for some, oh, yeah. for some folks. Oh, that gee, Fred. Been a while now. Oh wow. <laughs> but that was that's a lot of fun to hear that stuff. And again, Justin Bradford, uh, getting to know him when we get back. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to talk about the NHL trade deadline, the mighty drunks hockey team, and Justin's book. You're listening to Outside Smashville, Episode 8, here on Penalty Box Radio. Hello, Penalty Box Radio fans, and hope you're enjoying Episode 8 of Outside Smashville, a very special episode uh, featuring Justin Bradford, the commissioner of the SECHC and editor-in-chief for Penalty Box Radio. Justin and I talked about in the first segment the 2020 SECHC tournament and how much fun that tournament was and looking forward to the future of the SECHC and next year's tournament in Bellevue uh, in February of 2021. Uh, We did a getting to know you segment with Justin as well. Had a lot of fun getting to uh, hear some of those answers from Justin. So now for the third segment, uh, we talk a little bit about Justin's book he published back in 2015, uh, Nashville Predators, The Making of Smashville. We answer one of the fan questions. And then this podcast was recorded before the NHL trade deadline. So Justin and I talked a little bit about the uh, Nashville Predators, uh, what was going on in the NHL at that time, and this was a little bit delayed from when I wanted it to get it, this podcast out, but I felt the content that we discussed was too good to edit out, so uh, it actually leads into some good targets possibly in the offseason for the Predators, even though this is outside Smashville. I'd like you guys to hear what Justin and I had to think, and also there's a little funny moment in here where the Amazon driver actually rings the doorbell and there's this long pause between where we stop the podcast and then when we pick it back up I edited a little funny sound effect in there but uh, enjoy this uh, segment three of Outside Smashville episode eight with Justin Bradford. We're back again here we maybe have laughed a little bit but for good reasons about Star Wars, hockey, and Marvel. <laughs> Good jokes again with Justin Bradford here. And I know the people know who you are and probably follow you. By the way, congrats on the 10,000 mark on Twitter. Appreciate it. Appreciate the bots. <laughs> <laughs> but what is your Twitter handle in case people can't don't follow you already? Justin B. Bradford. So it's two Bs. <laughs> Justin B. Bradford. I, I try to brand myself across all social platforms with just my full name. <laughs> that is my full name too. B is an initial. That is my middle name. 
<laughs> so Justin B. Bradford on social media, you can go follow him for Preds, SCCHC, all hockey, and even your Disney, your Disney fix as well. <laughs> so uh, the first thing, Justin, I did want to talk about as we wrap it up here on segment three, we got a couple things we're going to talk about. You just released a book the, not too long ago, back in 2015, mm-hmm. correct? Nashville Predators, The Making of Smashville. Talk about that book and how much it means to you and what made you want to write a book about the making of Smashville? So it's it's kind of funny because my career has changed so much just in those five years, just becoming commissioner of a <laughs> hockey league um, and then also bringing on lots of just young people to really help mentor them and everything too. So it's been different since then and how much I've grown since that book. But what's been so exciting is that when I put that book together, I was, I was contacted by the publisher, so it wasn't me that decided to write it. It was the history press that reached out and was like, we were looking for someone to write just a history book in the making on, on the natural predators. And we see a lot of history books out there about different special teams, things like that that made a run to a championship or historical events. That's what the history press focuses on. It's a lot of local history. And so if you go to a Walgreens, sometimes you'll see my book there along with the other like Civil War books <laughs> and everything or other types of things like the history of like Nashville food or all these different types of aspects of it. But putting the book together, they said it was going to be paperback. It needed to be lots of pictures. It needed to be about thirty to 40,000 words. It's like, okay, I can do this. Um, so I got started luckily working with the Preds. And first of all, coming up with a title, I had to get special permission to use the word Smashville. From Sean Henry, the CEO and president of the Natural Predators. He goes, Yeah, of course. You're gonna do anything bad, are you? <laughs> like, no, no, no. So I wanted, I wanted to put a book together that kind of highlighted the history, not all of hockey and Nashville, because I couldn't cover as much of the Dixie Flyers, but I wanted to make sure they get mentioned in there, because that's where Nashville hockey really did get its start, was with minor league hockey. But there was a base of hockey fans here in Nashville, and sports fans, obviously, we knew that. So it became a whole thing of, interviewing the right people that played a role in developing this team before it even was a thing. So obviously I had to talk to Craig Leopold. (laughs) And that was interesting to me, luckily, because Jerry Helper with the Predators right now, former VP of communications with the team, he was able to set that up for me. And so I actually spoke with Craig Leopold while he was in the Bahamas on vacation. Uh, (laughs) And got a lot of information from him. I mean, Craig, you can tell everything for him, and I know that name just grinds a lot of gears for people that it was fully all business decision for him I mean that's really what it came down to I mean he's the owner of the wild now up in Minnesota it was all business decisions and he wanted to have a team in Nashville and if for those of you you need to read the book originally they're trying to bring an NBA team to Nashville like if you go into Bridgetown Arena and you look at the way it's built it is built for basketball one reason, that maybe you won't know this if you're not in media, you can tell because there's not a hockey press box <laughs> in the Bridgestone Arena. It's not a real press box. Like, it's in the stands and you can access it just by walking into it, whereas most NHL arenas, it's separate from everything else. Like, you have to go through separate doors, a media entrance, separate elevator for the media, everything like that. Now, Bridgestone Arena is going to get that finally this summer, but it was built for basketball. And even back in the, in the mid-90s, the planning wasn't necessarily to have a multi-purpose arena. It was built for basketball, and they tried to attract the Kings out of Sacramento to come out. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. It's like, what? The Kings are trying to move? 
And then remember too, in terms of bringing in an NHL team, it was the Devils that they were working on relocating to Nashville. And then that fell through. And they went, okay, you know what? Forget it. We're just going to expand. What's the expansion fee? <laughs> like it went into the whole thing of like this is the information I got though because he's very upfront with the, the planning process of this too and then I spoke with Barry Trotz and this the fun stories are this is how my interviews took place so for instance Barry Trotz at a previous job he called 30 minutes before the interview was actually supposed to take place he called me so I'm at my desk in a cube and it's middle of July the room that I had reserved in the office was not available until the time he's supposed to call so I'm having to conduct this interview in my car in the middle of July in Tennessee. And I couldn't have my windows down because there were wasps flying everywhere. So I had to crack slightly. And I'm having a 30-minute interview with Barry Trotz where I asked him four questions in 30 minutes. That's Barry Trotz. We all, I mean, we all know that with interviews. Then with Scott Walker, former Predator, uh, obviously, uh, interviewed him while I was in London, Ontario on a London, Ontario hotel phone while he was with, I believe, Kitchener. <laughs> so it's, I mean, that, like that. And then Jamie Allison, who, for those of you that don't know, Jamie Allison was a defenseman for the Predators. He played for multiple teams, including the Blackhawks, the Blue Jackets, and a couple others. And he was the only player to have dressed as the emergency backup goalie on the bench for the Preds because there was an injury during warm-ups. I remember that. Yeah. He didn't play, and the Predators got whooped that team. That is one of, Barry Trotz said, one of his biggest regrets was not putting Jamie in the game to at least play a couple minutes just so they could say they did it, so that he could be the Iron Man because Jamie was a guy that played defense and forward. Yeah. Wherever they wanted to put him, he was a utility man. So if he would have been placed there as goaltender, he would have been one of the only people, obviously, to play all three positions. Wow. <laughs> in hockey, that was a big regret for him, but he... When he was originally going to be a scratch, and he came back with, suit up. <laughs> what? <laughs> but I conducted the interview with Tim Hortons in Ontario. <laughs> and so, in, in Oakville, Ontario. So, this is what was funny about that interview process, though. So, we're supposed to meet at Tim Hortons uh, in, in Ontario. And I already knew Jamie before, because he's been here. He's been on the radio. She plays guitar. Uh, he would sing. He's in Garth Brooks at a P's Preds party then before. To know his family, which is just pretty, they're really cool people. But we said we're going to meet at Tim Hortons, and we exit, we get it to Tim Hortons, and we start getting a phone call. They're at the Tim Hortons on the other side of the expressway. I was like, this is just like Starbucks, man. Which Tim Hortons are we at? It's like, no, the one on the right, not the left. Um, but that took place there, so it's just pretty cool to conduct an interview for this book of a former NHLer inside of Tim Hortons. Yeah. Uh, so all these different types of stories, lots of anecdotes, things on fight night with the Red Wings, um, lots of great pictures that are taken by local photographers. So just really cool. Pete Weber wrote the foreword for it as well. So and I think five years ago, things changed because that's when Laviolette had just taken over. So the book ends with Laviolette first taking over, really, wow. for the team. That's where it ends. So I'm just waiting for this team to win a championship so I can add a few more chapters to that book now. And there will definitely be a few more chapters to add oh, now. Yeah. Uh, but that's where it's kind of neat to learn the history of this team and because there's so many new fans, which is totally okay and acceptable and fine and exciting. But to learn what the team's been through, the city's been through since then, just learn some of the fun stories as they continue to progress through the couple decades. Yeah, and you talk about a lot to add. The All-Star game yeah. came through here since that. Oh, yeah. The Stanley Cup Finals run, a couple good playoff runs, yep. the overtime games against the Sharks, yep. um, the Winter Classic. <laughs> 
presence. There's so much to add, but again, Absolutely. it's awesome to see that out there because it's like you said, people now get to see kind of where Smashville started. Exactly. And I remember I was telling you this when we were on that radio show the stands used to be empty you could go sit anywhere people my dad had a friend that said he read a book at the games now he's in bed <laughs> now he's a season ticket holder invested mm-hmm. in it it's changed so much the jerseys have changed we had the navy silver the mustards and now you got the gold yep it's it's so much change and definitely pick up a copy i need to i really do yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. on amazon a lot of times at barnes and noble yeah uh, books a million that's available on target.com walmart so Walgreens, you'll see it. I know Target had a big display during Christmas, which was yeah. really cool to see as well. Costco has it right now too. Man, you're, you're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, Dave Foster with Channel 17 with uh, Fox 17 messaged me a picture. He goes, "Hey, your book's back at Costco." <laughs> <laughs> oh, now the next thing I know you're pretty passionate about. You've been playing hockey for a little bit now yeah. for the Mighty Drunks Men's League team. Yeah. Now. Most people, when they hear men's league teams, they think just one division, one league. Not the Mighty Drunks. No, no. You, they're all over, across all the rinks. We saw on NBC, the Hockey Day in America, uh, Colby Collier, who runs MD Media, and a couple more were on about a, I think it was the U.S. Pond Hockey Championships yeah. mm-hmm. up in Minnesota, and those beautiful USA hockey-style rebirth Mighty Drunks jerseys. But talk about the mighty drunks a little bit because that's a pretty cool deal if people don't know about that in men's league yeah it is and so i got the opportunity to play in the u.s pond hockey championships a few years ago where nbc covered us doing that when it was all of our first time ever it's our first time ever going to play in a pond and so they want to cover oh yeah these a bunch of guys from tennessee are coming up <laughs> they've never stepped foot with skates on a pond before we want to get their natural reaction so we had a camera following us and mic'd us up and we got whooped <laughs> As well out there. I mean, I think our first game, what was it, 13 to nothing or something we lost? Because we didn't know which division we should be actually be in. And we realized, oh, we're in the wrong one. Um, but it was fun. It was like, yeah, I had fun out there. Uh, but it was really cool to be mic'd up by NBC. And that's a few years ago. I think that the link's probably still active out there. But it's a lot of fun to represent. But it's been a funny part of the franchise because we have a rookie league team at Antioch, a D-league team in Bellevue, a lower C I believe no sorry yeah a lower C an upper C and a B wow <laughs> um, and then also a team over in Knoxville wow so it's it's really cool to be part of the franchise because a lot of it what we focus on is growing hockey and give people an opportunity and that's how I run my team I'm the captain of the D-League team and for me it's about giving opportunities to people that are on wait list that really show a true passion for the game that understand where you should be playing in a league so we have a guy, uh, Troy, who just moved up from rookie to D because he wanted to be challenged a little bit more. That's what it's all about, too, is getting better, and but also knowing where you want to play, where it's fun and competitive for everybody around. And that's what I try to build my team around is a good core group of guys that, one, have fun in the locker room, that you're showing up early because it's your one little you know hour of camaraderie that you get to be away from home. Not to be at home bad, <laughs> but it's your little break where you can go have fun with people that are kind of like-minded, have a lot of same interests, that love the game of hockey, want to go out and have fun, and then you can have a beer afterwards. Or before, if it's really late. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but but that's that's what I've really enjoyed about it too, is the camaraderie and building a fun team and playing with friends and people that have become friends. That It's not always about just getting people you know right now together and playing, it's about be- making new friends in the sport, and that's really what I've truly been able to do, is have that opportunity to go and have fun, 
playing hockey and it's just fun to play rec league hockey and to represent at the pond hockey championships and i know i want to get back out and try something else uh, outdoors because it's one of those things that's funny when we came back from the championship to get our sh- our skate sharpened the guy looked at our skates and went where have you been <laughs> i go frozen pond oh my god these are awful <laughs> like yeah it was really bad uh but it's one of those things that if you've never skated in a frozen pond before breathing in the cold air where it's we had a puck drop on a saturday morning at 8 a.m and it was 13 degrees outside and it's one of those things you forget it's 13 you're dressed for it hopefully it's phenomenal i mean seeing your breath when you're breathing on the ice and you're playing in a frozen pond there's divots everywhere and you just hear the sound everybody knows that sound of skating oh, yeah. the ice it is one of the best sounds in the world to hear that's what that's that's why you do it i mean that's why you need to do it you need to experience it. if ever if you play hockey you need to go it doesn't matter what level you play you can be a beginner they have beginner leagues do it try playing out in the frozen pond because it is it is such a phenomenal it gives me goosebumps right now thinking about it because it is just one of those experiences that i'll never forget first time hitting the ice in the pond and you know it froze over here in nashville once i think back in 2018 and my buddies and i went out and played on it and you're right nothing tops it there's just nothing close to it but the jerseys you guys have too those are (laughs) clean and I, i know Cameron Gumpy, you've mentioned, is probably one of the more dominant players on your team, he too. Is. He is. <laughs> Big boy knows how to score. <laughs> so um, talk about the characters on your team just for a minute. Well, it's it's funny because I, I kind of play the role of captain and quasi-coach. <laughs> and, and the reason I do is because I feel like I have a, a little bit of an eye for that because I want to help people get better. And it's one of those things that, for instance, we had a, a gentleman who was in his 50s on our team before. And he was very beginner. He wanted to start playing so he could play with his son. Because his son was maybe, it might have been probably a half a league above where we should be, but it was okay because the rest of the team was very beginner. Uh, so he kind of helped everybody get better. But I was telling him, I was like, look, I, you know, I know you're not the strongest skater, but here's where the puck's going. You're a winger. If you go stand around this area where the goalie is letting his rebounds fly off and you have your stick on the ice, you're going to get a goal. The next period, he went out and got a goal. Because <laughs> he went and stood right where I told him to. Have the puck in the ice. Like, the puck's deflecting this way. He's always kicking him this way. Go stand right here. You're going to get a rebound. Boom. <laughs> and it's just one of those things that makes me feel more confident and good because I'm trying to help guys be successful. These characters, Gumpy is our DJ. So he's, he's our DJ in the, in the pregame and postgame. And he takes requests. Uh, but Gumpy, what I like about it, too, is he knows where to go. And a lot about hockey is positioning. We all know that. If you play your position and do it well, good things will happen to you. It's not always about playing the puck, holding on to the puck for so long, making the right moves, but playing your position and doing those things. He drives to the net. He loves screening the goaltender. He gets a lot of, when I say garbage, it means that he's picking up the trash. <laughs> not that they're awful goals, but he gets a lot of rebound goals because he's in the right spot at the right time. He's going to the net. How many times do we yell for the Predators to go to the net? <laughs> right. right? Yeah. Gumpy goes to the net. Most of his goals are scored in that home zone. Yeah. Right there. And he, he's a leading goal scorer for our team <laughs> usually. He's going to the right place. He's just put the puck on the net. Uh, so it's, that's, that's one of those things. I mean, Michael Wade, who is a PBR analytics guy, is also on the team too. He wears number 97. He's a defenseman. <laughs> he likes to activate. I call him our... our, um, our little PK. 
out there. She just loves to activate so much. Or little Roman Yossi. Uh, I'm the stay-at-home defenseman. <clears throat> so, not that it's I'm bragging, but I am definitely more like a Dan Hamhuse out there. Ekholm, maybe. We'll give you Ekholm. Give me Ekholm. There we'll we go. You, we'll we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> we'll give you Every once in a while, I'll activate. Like, I had a beautiful <laughs> shot on net and just barely missed because that goaltender toe, had a toe save on it because I activated as a defenseman. And then after that, because I'm big and out of shape, I was like, okay, shift done. <laughs> I'm done. Give me a break. Um, we have some great characters, a mix of young and old, and that's what I love too. I mean, we have guy, we have old guys, we have young guys, we have uh, a kid who <laughs> Matt Schneider, who is a musician and he tours and everything. And he's if you've ever seen on Instagram where he comment, he can riff like like no tomorrow. He is phenomenally talented, and he just turned twenty one. Um, and his this is what I love about beer league. When we were trying, we were looking for a player to add. We actually really weren't looking for because we had a pretty full team. I got an email from him. In the email, he hyped himself up, ironically, because he attached a YouTube video <laughs> of himself <laughs> trying hard and not being that successful at it. But I was like, that's the attitude that I want on this team. Just someone that's trying hard, that loves the game so much. They put this, the effort he put into making a highlight video of him playing in his driveway and everything around the ice. It was perfect. It was like, you're on the team. I don't really have a spot, but you are on this team. And he's been a fantastic addition to the team because he's a great attitude. He's a Florida Panthers fan. Oh, wow. So he's like talking like, go Panthers! He talks trash all the time about that. So it's this, those types of mix of personalities in beer league is what makes it fun. I mean, we have guys in so many different careers. It's been a blast. I love it. Absolutely. And, again, if you're looking to just go play men's league, there's three yeah. ranks here. Just go do it. It's so okay. much fun. Okay, before we get into the trade deadline really quick, <laughs> we had one question from Peyton Turnage. And we don't know if Peyton's just trying to mess with us here or if he's trying or if he just mistyped. He asked, who do you think will win the 2020 SECHC tournament? Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Well, we'll just go Ole Miss. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that and, and say, who do you see as maybe a favorite for 2021 in the SECHC? Hmm. That's... I mean, it's tough to count out the defending champs or Arkansas at this point. Arkansas, yeah. So, this is what's tough for me because things change so much with with all these different teams because they'll graduate guys, they'll lose a lot of their scores and everything too. And so, that makes it really tough for me to, to figure out. I mean, it, I'd love to see Hayden Harris have another year with Auburn because I, I'd actually want to put them near the top just because they have such a great attitude and they can turn it on during the playoffs uh, South Carolina I think South Carolina doesn't get talked about enough they just have had some bad tournaments and so two years in a row they've been upset by Auburn in the tournament <laughs> uh, one as a three seed one time as a two seed South Carolina has been upset so I want to give them an opportunity too because they have a young team that also has a lot of talent as well so <laughs> Arkansas has got to be the favorite going in just because of the talent they have on their team. But there's always room for upsets in the SCCHC. Welcome back here to Outside Smashville. We had a little bit of an interruption from Amazon at the door. But as you, <laughs> <laughs> but as you were saying, I had to leave the little like dramatic pause in there because it's too good. 
Um, ding but, dong. Ding dong. But you were saying uh, you wish Auburn had another chance with Hayden Harris. You mentioned South Carolina doesn't get a lot of talk. Yeah, South Carolina is a very good team. I know uh, head coach Al Sirwa has done a fantastic job with the team from Carolina. Uh, they're going to be playing in regionals this year as a, as a top seed. Uh, they just missed out on the auto bid from the South. So there's a lot of good competitive teams. FAU has a good team as well. They just kind of trailed off near the end of the season. Uh, Georgia's always competitive. They just dealt with a lot of injuries. Georgia Tech has a good program going on. I mean, I'd love to see Tennessee continue to build up as well. So there's there's openings for all those teams. Any of the eight teams. Yeah, Tennessee got, got walloped by Arkansas in game one of the tournament. But there's a lot of talent on that team. And if they can build around Drew King, who is only a sophomore this year and going to be a junior, they can build around him and see what they can do. UT has potential to to make runs, and all you have to do is win three games. Absolutely. That's all you have to do is win three games in a row, but it's just like the NCAA tournament for basketball, right? I mean, all you have to do. All you have to do. Is win all these games in a row, and you win a championship. But really, I mean, any team, if they get hot at the right time, and another team, if they get soft at the right time, Ole Miss just turned it on, and their goaltender stepped up big time. Because look at the shot differential that was in the championship game. I mean, Ryan Troy helped them win that game, yeah. You had Cal Lavery step up pretty big, um, but it was their goaltender that really helped push them more. It's like, guys, go sc- we need to go score for him. <laughs> that's right. what they did, yeah. finally. So any team has a chance to win. And that's not me being the commissioner and not supporting one team. I'm saying there's legit, in this conference, any of those teams could win and have a right to win because things change so much every season in club hockey. That's just the way it is. So any of those eight teams, or could be an even surprise team, where you could have good recruiting happen and get some really talented freshmen come into any of the teams that are just on the brink, like Florida or Vanderbilt or MTSU. So that's what's fun about the conference right there. But I really do think some of the top ones would obviously be Arkansas, Ole Miss, um, South Carolina would probably be the top three right now. It's such an open tournament always. always. February it. madness, if yes. you want to call it that. I love but that. Uh, thank you, Peyton, for that question, even though you might have been trying to mess with us. Yeah, yeah I hate you, Peyton. <laughs> Finally, I wanted to end off because we're putting this out before the Monday NHL trade deadline. And I know there's been a lot of rumors and there's a lot of moves that get made before that deadline comes. We've seen a lot. I think Andre Kasha just got moved to the the Bruins for David Backus in a pick. And we've seen some other names moved around. Uh, Brendan Dillon to Washington. Mm-hmm. Martinez to Los Angeles. Or not Los Angeles, sorry. Las Vegas or Vegas. <laughs> right. Uh, is there any – what are the deals that you've seen so far do you like from these teams? A lot of them. A lot of them. <laughs> but also, <laughs> but also, is there a name – I know Chris Kreider's name is going to be out there till the very end of this okay. window. Okay. And I think Wayne Simmons' name is being thrown around again, of course. Of course. But is there a name that maybe we aren't thinking about that could be moved to? That we aren't thinking about? Well, I mean – or. Well, no, when, you, when you put it like that, I'm trying to think because, I mean, most like the trade bait targets people are thinking about just, be, just right. because for reasons like they're going to be an unrestricted free agent or they have one year left right, or something like that. Um, in terms of, I wouldn't say the trade deadline, but I would think that given the Predators got a point against Chicago, that helps them a little bit because if they do win against Columbus, and I know we're, when we're recording this before that game, then they move into a wild card spot, surprisingly <laughs> enough. <laughs> um so, but I think in terms of off season, I think guys that put for the Predators that could be dealt would be like a Ryan Johansson, 
uh, Nick Benino. Those guys that have obviously term left, but they would need to shake it. No matter what, they need to shake Unless they win the cup. They somehow win the cup this year, they need to shake it up a little bit and change. You can't just keep going same, same. Uh, so that's one of those things. I think one of the targets has got to be like a Sammy Vatanen. Yeah. I mean, because why not? And most of what teams have given up for defensemen is not a lot. When you think about it, it really is not a lot. It's all futures. Yeah. It's a lot of futures. And the thing is, a good thing for the Preds, they have two second-round picks right now, including New Jersey's. Yeah, so give New Jersey's their back. <laughs> yeah, so you could do that and still have your second round. You give up a second and a third, for instance, and yeah, he's a rental, but you're giving up a second and a third, you still have a second, all you miss is the third. So you could do that, or a second and a fourth. I mean, that's what it's coming down to is draft picks a lot, and New Jersey wants those. Right. They don't really need players from the, from the Preds right now. They just want to continue to stock up to build. So there's that one. There's, gosh, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Dustin Bufflin. Yeah. With, and it has to happen pretty soon. Zach Bogosian yeah. <laughs> has to sign by Monday. Yeah. You know, if they're terminating his contract, he has to sign to be eligible for the playoffs. So, a lot of these question marks are coming into place that I think it was crazy how that one day seemed like every defense was getting traded. And everybody's like, huh? Huh? Anything? <laughs> Preds? Huh? What are you doing? Uh, so, I'm just curious out there to see to see what happens, see if San Jose gets any more involved. Yeah. They've, they've become sellers, which is just crazy to think that why Eric Carlson did you sign in San Jose? Yeah. What was the point of that? Uh, so, th- that's just kind of my take on it there, too, is that I, the Predators, I think, should be involved somehow, yeah. some sort of fashion. Uh, I really wish they would step up and get some help on the third pairing, and that is not a whole, well, Ryan Ellis is back. We're healthy now. We're good. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I agree with that, because I was thinking Martinez would be a good move, or Dylan, because mm-hmm. that's a guy you can put on the second pairing, maybe, and take pressure off Dante Favreau a little bit. Yes, yeah, I'd be okay with taking pressure off Favreau. But the one I, I talked about him with you earlier. I talked about it. I think it was on PBR. Shane Goss's bear. I'm still right. I'm still set on Goss's bear too because he's disappeared though. He's disappeared because I, I. But like, does he need a fresh start? Who knows? And maybe, I don't. Maybe yeah. I don't think Nashville is a team that needs forward depth. I think they've got great players up front. They need to score. They just need to score. I mean, Yakov Trinan, Colin Blackwell, they've come in and played well. Everybody's waiting. Austin Watson needs to set up, step up a little bit. That third line's been great. It's just they need them to score, but they need help on the back end. But how about this, though? I mean, yeah, I know he's dealing with injury, but 12 points in 41 games. That's, that's for true. Ghost. As he's trailed off from that 17-18 season where he had 65 points in 78 games. But that means that the value – the return is going. <laughs> going down, and he's signed through the end of 23. So is it a win-win if you move for somebody that's got term and can be? And, you know, if he's if he doesn't pan out, then Dante Favreau is ready to move up. Who knows? But Right. I mean, well, in Ghost, you could put at a 4.5 cap hit, you put him on the second pairing, and then what you do is you have Favreau on the third, protect him a little more like what we saw in a few games last season. And that's where you could put him with a different defenseman. And then in the offseason, you're going to probably unload Erwin, which is not much contract. Um, you're going to – Hamnews is going to go. Yeah. And Weber might go. And you give some of these young guys chances are on ELCs. Yeah. That takes care of the $4.5 million cap hit for Ghost. Yeah. 
And so. then you got like Tenorti, who's playing very well. I think he's starting to find his footing. And that could be the thing where you put him on a third pairing and have a stay-at-home defenseman like him. And I mean, it's so it's hard always for me to say good, <laughs> yeah. but I think he's serviceable, and that's what you just really need is a serviceable defenseman exactly. in the third pairing. Absolutely, because you're never going to have a great defenseman in the third pairing. That's the reason why they're not in the third pair. And every single team, and we, I've talked about so many people. Every team is like, what's going on with the third pair? Yeah, because that's just how it is, and how you build with a cap. Your third pair is never going to be good, but I'd rather see. Younger guys or guys getting a chance to develop on the third pair where you can protect them a little bit more and you're giving them a chance. And that's what I think Fabro needs is that more time to develop. But in the NHL, not in the AHL, because he's an NHL caliber player, but he's making rookie mistakes, which is totally understandable. Seth Jones did the same thing and people wanted his head. He's a rookie. <laughs> what do you expect? It's like wanting a freshman to go out and do everything for college. Right. Exactly. <sighs> well... That was fun. And Justin, again, thank you for joining us again. The chief editor um, for Penalty Box Radio, the commissioner of the SECHC here on Outside Smashville, Episode 8. You can hear him on Wednesdays, 1025 The Game, Penalty Box Radio Live with Glenn Blackwell and company. Again, Justin, thanks for joining us and taking that, your time to come on. I know you're busy. <laughs> Preds are picking up, but thank you again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Sam. I appreciate it. And we'll see you on Episode 9 coming up here on Penalty Box Radio.